What's all that? Trotter's files, all of them. You stole his files? I didn't steal his files. Listen to this. I'm just ready to finesse him. I'm starting to finesse him, right? I got him going. He offers to have his secretary copy everything for me. That's very impressive, finessing. That's not all. He's letting us use his hunting cabin as soon as he gets back. It's in the woods, it's quiet, he sleeps like a baby when he's there. Terrific, you're a hell of a bonder. What's this? You uh, reading this book? Yeah. Do me a favor, okay? Don't read this book. Okay? Thank you very much. All right. Don't you wonder why Trotter gave you his files? I told you why. He has to. By law, you're entitled. It's called disclosure. He has to show you everything, otherwise it could be a mistrial. He has to give you a list of all his witnesses. You can talk to all his witnesses. He's not allowed any surprises. They didn't teach you that in law school either? Sitting at a table with his lawyer over his will, cause he's ill. The kids don't call, they're waiting on the man to die. He's gonna leave them all a little something, but they're gonna be real surprised. There's a poor man living on a budget at the bottom of that hill. He's got a wife and two kids and a worried mind about how he's gonna pay the bills. But only the rich man knows. See, that's where a lot of this money goes to a man who brought wood in the winter to take a little. Head off of his shoulders, there's this thing called oh, gonna have it at all. If you're gonna get there, you're gonna have to walk. First, you'll have to crawl. Oh, you know, you gotta do it step by step. Miss one, and you'll fall into this well. Call a woman and have an ace. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from uh, the movie My Cousin Vinny. Uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, the January 6th committee should be uh, watching this. Should have watched that. Hey, you know, it's called disclosure. You know, you're not allowed to have any surprises. Otherwise, it could be called called a mistrial. Maybe they should re maybe they should revisit that whole January 6th thing. Maybe they should uh, revisit some of the people that are in jail because of the January 6th thing. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that in the first half. That song. Uh, this is was this thing called Wanting and Having It All from Sawyer Brown from 1995. You know what I uh, I use that for a for a few reasons. Number one, uh, uh, the announcement that a lot of companies are gonna are gonna uh, do an experiment with going to four day work week sounds like we're becoming uh, France. And uh, and then the some of the employees comments saying that hey if it doesn't work out with four day work weeks they would uh, they would want 25 to 50 percent raise to come back to five day work weeks. Come on, man. You know, and, uh, you know, people got to got to wake up. People got to wake up. Kids today think they're entitled and uh, they're going to get a rude awakening coming in. You know, that that thing called wanting and having it all. If you're going to get there, you're going to have to walk. But first, you have to crawl. You know, you got to do it step by step. Miss one and then you'll fall into this well called wanting and having it all. They should they should uh, they should say the difference between wanting and having it all. There's two different things. You know, you fall into the well called wanting. Versus having it all, and uh, you know, and and then today, uh, Friday's jobs report, Friday's jobs report showed uh, the the labor participation rate 
is is gaining. So there's a lot of people that decided they don't want to work anymore, but you know their unemployment benefits and their and their all the money they that they uh, that they stole from the from the taxpayers for uh, phony uh, BS COVID claims. And uh, you know, it just it drives me crazy when I see all these. Hey, you know, get a ref- getrefunds.com, All these things. Hey, you know, you can get uh, up to twenty six thousand dollars per uh, per employee. That's being advertised all over the place. Come on, you guys are still in business. Be happy. Get over it. You know why? Why are why are all these uh, lawyers and CPA firms advertising? Hey, you know, we'll help you do the paperwork. We're going to take thirty percent of your refund. But uh, hey, you know, we're going to get you this this free money from the government. It's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, there is so much, so much uh, fraud going on in that. And hey, well, let's just let's just double down on it and give some more money out. Maybe, uh, maybe the uh, uh, the president and the uh, leadership in this country should figure out that our budget problems are not a, are not a revenue problem; they're a spending problem. You know, maybe we should stop spending, giving money away, and then then figure out the only the only way to fix it is uh, taxing the billionaires and the millionaires. So anyway, because they're the only ones that, that pay taxes anyway. So uh, anyway, so we're going to I'm going to talk about everything that's going on. But before I do, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and fantastic opportunities are on the horizon. So you should be ready for it. If you're interested in that, you need financing. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk in, uh, about real estate or finance, and but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's too personal. You don't want to, you don't want let let me hear your voice just yet. Go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo. Uh, that'll take you to my lending page. You can uh, put in your put in your uh, username, and password, and uh, give me as much information as you want want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and uh, you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you want repeated or you missed it, you can uh, stay on edhoffman.net on the podcast page. You can get this show as well as several past shows. And you can listen to it on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcast, and uh, you can subscribe for free and have it automatically download once a week. I record Friday mornings. We upload Friday afternoons, and uh, it'll it'll uh, download to your to your device somewhere shortly thereafter. And you can listen to it on demand anytime. Uh, if you have if you have a uh, comment on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right, let's talk about what's going on this week. The big news, the big, the big things everybody's talking about. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy continues to pleasantly surprise all of us. Over the past two weeks, we saw a new subcommittee launch its investigation into the origins of COVID. And this week, we finally got to see the January 6th footage that McCarthy gave over to Fox's Tucker Carlson. McCarthy gave Tucker exclusive access to more than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage from January 6th which includes multiple camera angles from all over the Capitol grounds. Obviously, Fox can't air 40,000 hours of footage, but Tucker's team found some fascinating revelations in that video, and they break open three of the biggest lies about January 6th. And that's probably why one of Chuck Schumer's staffers wrote this for him to say on the Senate floor Tuesday. Last night, millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. 
Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. Really? He, uh, he manipulated the viewers by showing them more evidence? I think the manipulation was done by the January 6th committee and the mainstream media who just left out some of these little these little videotape facts. Um, if you haven't seen it, if you ha- if you didn't see it on Tucker this week, um, go to foxnews.com or go to YouTube and find them. Uh, Tucker did three shows. The, the big ones on Monday, he does a little bit more on Tuesday. And uh, Wednesday, he did follow up with with uh, with actually the attorney of uh, one of the guys we're going to talk about, the QAnon shaman. Um, and, and we'll talk about that here right now. So as you've probably heard by now, the majority of the media is calling this cherry-picked footage. Hmm. I know cherry-picked footage. I think what they showed at the January 6th committee was cherry-picked footage. This is the rest of the story they didn't want, want us to see. Um, and again, I encourage you guys all to go online and, and see this before it's removed from the internet. This expose focuses on three people we've been hearing about throughout the left show trial of January 6th, including the investigation of January 6th committee. First up, the highly recognizable Viking costume protester named Jacob Jacob Chansley, the one they nicknamed QAnon Shaman. There's probably no January 6th protester who has been featured as prominently as this guy because he painted his face and put a Viking hat on and, and a costume. Um, he was someone many of us believe could have been an Antifa plant, maybe an Antifa plant acting as an FBI asset. Oh, uh oh, don't say that. That's a highly debunked conspiracy. We don't want to say that the FBI could have planted people in here. So, uh, whether or not he was Antifa or a legit Trump supporter, the footage shows Jacob Chansley was not an insurgent. Once again, uh, watch the footage for yourself, but here's what it shows. The single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us into the building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th 
the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. So, so if you if you look at the video, you see Jacob Chansley carrying a carrying a flagpole with an American flag on it, uh, and and uh, he's walking through there, and there's like two or three uh, Capitol police officers with him. They're just walking around and they're telling him where to go. They're opening doors for him. And clearly, clearly he's not violent. He's not an insurgent. And uh, if you couldn't understand that, couldn't understand that prayer he did while he's in the chambers, um, he said, uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for taking the inspiration needed, for taking the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us into this building. Um, And so, and apparently it was a lot longer than that, but that's the, that's the part they showed. Um, But clearly clearly not a violent person and it doesn't sound like an insurgent to me he certainly didn't force his way into the building or into the uh into the uh the house chambers the media likes to point out that chansley has admitted to being a qAnon follower and a trump supporter neither of which are are against the law fine but that doesn't mean he wasn't manipulated by the fbi meaning hey maybe these guys Maybe the FBI told these Capitol police officers, "Hey, let this guy in. Open the doors for him." Uh, maybe they maybe they set this thing up. Remember what we know about Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. If you don't remember, go to the podcast page on nthoffman.net and listen to the show I did on August nineteenth. That's all we need to know about our federal government orchestrating an event like this. And speaking of that, lie number two that it's a dangerous conspiracy to think the FBI or any other agency in the government could have orchestrated the events of January 6. Here's what we know. While more than 900 Americans face criminal charges for their participation in January 6, there's one eager participant who was never charged with anything, a 61-year-old Arizona man named Ray Epps. We're going to play Tucker's footage of him, but there's a lot more to the story, so even if you watched it, listen up. I got a lot deeper than what Tucker did. Ray Epps, a Marine veteran, told the January 6th committee that online conspiracy theories claiming he was a government asset helping to incite the riot tore his life apart. Aw, poor baby. I feel so bad for you. But the fact remains that Epps was never indicted, despite him showing up on video multiple times, starting the night before on January 5th, encouraging the Trump supporters who were gathering in D.C. to go in to the Capitol. The next day, The next day, Epps wore a MAGA hat and made a big spectacle of himself. He continued doing that on Capitol grounds the next day, telling people, spread the word, and the Capitol is this way. And the video of that isn't new. It's been out for quite a while. So you listen to this clip. Part of it, the first part is uh, from the night before January 5th. And then the next part of it is the day of it. And when they start saying, Fed, 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 that's the people saying, hey, this guy sounds like a Fed. He's a plant. And they're and they're trying to call him out. Here's the here's the video. Back tomorrow. I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need we need to go. I'll say it. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go. So I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for it. Tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol.
Yeah, you know what? Uh, people who did a lot less than this are sitting in jail. You know, hey, I'm probably going to go to jail for this. And you heard heard one of the Trump supporters saying, well, then let's not say it. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm probably going to go to jail for this. He said it multiple times, and he's right on video. It's funny that he never went to jail. Um, the claim is that he didn't go into the Capitol, and he didn't go into the Capitol. That's why he was never indicted. But why wouldn't he go inside if he was so passionate about getting people in there? Sorry, but the most logical explanation is he is working with the FBI. And remember, uh, the guy who who organized uh, Walkaway, the Walkaway movement, uh, Brandon Strzok, who's who, if you've ever met him or seen him on TV, is a gentle, a gentle, uh, uh, calm guy, not a not an insurrectionist. Uh, he got three years probation and a five thousand dollar fine. Um, one of the guys we had on the on the radio, Baked Alaska, also known as Tim GNA. Um, he got 60 days in jail, and uh, which seems like a small amount for a crime as terrible as this, but unless you're the one who's sitting in there for 60 days. And, uh, of course, uh, Chansley got got uh, four years, and a bunch of other people got four years as well because they were uh, so more prominent on uh, on the video. But we saw the videos of, of Brandon Strzok, and we saw videos of Tim GNA, and they were, they were not doing it. Hey, we're... We're here to just to document this. We're filming and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these people are in jail. The fact also remains there's a video of Epps whispering into the ear of another protester, Ryan Samsel, who's actually from Pennsylvania. The video shows that five seconds after Epps whispered to him, Samsel then pushed pack, past the barricade to move the crowd forward. This, by the way, is the moment that the New York Times called the tipping point of the riot. So... You see him. You see him push it away, and then all. Then he all of a sudden, you know, the he does something. He does something dramatic, and and uh, and pushes those things down, and the crowd just follows him, follows him towards the Capitol. So let's recap. We have someone who started instigating Trump supporters the night before, telling them we have to go into the Capitol, making the crowd suspicious he was a Fed. We have him the next day at the Trump rally, physically directing people toward the Capitol. Quote: After the president is done speaking. Then we have him at the police barricade whispering into another man's ear, both of them wearing matching MAGA hats, and that man pushing down the barricade after Epps whispers to him. So remember, this guy's Brian Samsel uh, is still in, he's in jail, but Ray Epps isn't. Supposedly, there's a recording of Ray Epps calling an FBI tip line, claiming that what he whispered in Samsel's ear was an attempt to calm Mr. Samsel down. So where is that recording? And why can't we hear it? And if it's real, who's to say that he wasn't asked by the FBI to make that call? Hmm. People think we're stupid. Um, the fact also remains that Ray Epps belonged to the Oath Keepers, one of the far-right groups uh, the FBI, inf FBI infiltrated in 2020 when they attempted to convince some people who had a few screws loose to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whit Whitmer and actually murder her as a setup. Again, listen to our show from August 19th. The point is... The point is, and here's a spoiler alert, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot was a dry run for January 6th. And, you know, all these people, these bad, these bad patriot Second Amendment guys, the Oath Keepers, you know, they tried to get the guys who really needed, who were really short on dollars, you know, borderline homeless in that group to get them to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. And they go, eh, don't think we're going to do that. The fact also remains that Epps texted his nephew at 2.12 p.m. on January 6th. I was in front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. Really? Epps told the January 6th committee 
that he regretted texting this saying, it was wrong word choice. And he said it was out of pride. There's no video testimony of, of that, by the way. You know, it seems like funny that we have video testimony of everybody who, who got questioned, but not, but not Ray Epps. Hmm. In any case, here's Tucker's reporting on Ray Epps and the evidence that the federal government was involved in planning January 6th. We know there was some number of undercover federal agents in the crowd at the Capitol. Officials have since admitted that under oath. But what exactly were they doing there? The January 6th committee worked hard to hide the answer to that question. We do know from contemporaneous videotape that a mysterious figure called Ray Epps encouraged the crowd to go into the Capitol. For some reason, Epps has never been indicted for that. But there's no question he did it. We need to go into the Capitol! Under public pressure, the January 6th committee finally interviewed Ray Epps. Epps told the committee that he never entered the Capitol and therefore never committed a crime. His text messages showed that at 2.12 p.m., he boasted to his nephew that he had, quote, orchestrated the protests at the Capitol. He admitted he helped get people there. Yet curiously, congressional Democrats consider Ray Epps an ally, not an insurrectionist. Tonight, we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. What was Epps doing there? We can't say, but we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. No honest investigation would do that. Does this uh, ring ring uh, familiar that, you know, every time the, somebody murders their wife, they make sure and call their cell phone after it's done to leave them a nice loving voicemail on there? I.e., uh, Alec Murdaugh, who just was convicted of murdering his son and his, uh, and his wife uh, last week. Hmm. So, you know, uh, Ray Epps makes these, makes these calls, throws, throws out a few texts to and say where, where he is. And, uh, and then, the, then the video shows that's not really the case. Say, so someone who's asking the right questions about Ray Epps was Senator Ted Cruz back in January of last year when he questioned Jill Sanborn, who's the assistant director of the FBI's National Security Branch during a Judiciary Committee hearing. Who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, 
leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. You know, it's funny that someone who's got a title of assistant director of FBI's National Security Branch, she should at least know, know the answer to those that last question. Hey, anyway, I'm, I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes, traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, and I'll be right back with lots, lots more. has everything that the rich man wants he's got a love in his life and his heart he's got a house he calls home the rich man owns everything for miles around but what he needs can't be bought it has to be found his rich kids think that the better because they're better off that's how they grew up thinking and now he thinks that's all his fault so well there's still time Daddy, for the nickel and dime is gonna make them learn to take a turn and stand in line for this thing all won't have it at all. If you're gonna get there, you're gonna have to walk. But first, you'll have to crawl. Oh, you know, you gotta do it step by step. Miss morning, you'll fall into this world. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, eh, it's probably boring to you. But uh, if you are in the market, if you're thinking about refinancing a piece of property that you own, if you're thinking about buying a piece of property you'd like to own, if you're wondering about that reverse mortgage thing that everybody's talking about that gives that uh, kind of uh, equalizes that gap between uh, having more, more, uh, more life left than you have money, uh, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we will uh, help you find uh, find out the decision that's best for you. Okay, so in the first half, we were talking about uh, the January 6th committee and all the video that they cherry-picked. And we're talking about all the video that was exposed this week by Tucker Carlson. Uh, apparently, the uh, all the Capitol footage um, um, Kevin Kevin McCarthy got, and of course he's being criticized that he only gave it to uh, only gave it to Fox News. But even if he gave it to everybody, all the mainstream media, they still would have had access to it, and they could have said, "Oh, that's not true. Here's what the video really shows. Hey, they they're the ones cherry picking. Now here's the stuff they didn't show." So uh, so anyway, um, we're talking about all the conspiracy stuff, and we we're talking about uh, one particular guy, Ray Epps, who didn't, who's not in jail for January six riots, um, and he was clearly part of the of the instigators in there, getting right in the middle of it. Uh, Ted Cruz asked uh, Jill Sanborn, the assistant director of FBI's National Security, a bunch of questions with a title like that that she should have known. And the uh, and apparently she didn't, which seems peculiar to me. And on uh, the House side, Republican Thomas Massey of West Virginia told Tucker, 
what he noticed when reviewing the footage last year. We need a complete catalog of all of the feds who were there. Tell us right. who they were. Exactly. Let's go, let's watch the videos and let's see what they did, because there's some really strange behavior uh, uh, on those videos of people behind the police lines in plain clothes, like touching them on the shoulder, talking in their right. ear, walking, uh, you know, around boundaries as if they weren't even there. It's very odd. Uh, I'm the one who asked Merrick Garland. I showed him the tape of Ray Epps. The Democrats didn't like it. I had to show it on an iPad for, for Merrick Garland to watch it. And then he refused to say how many feds were there. 57% of Democrats think that it's yes. at least somewhat likely that feds, agents of the federal government, were not just there, but were also encouraging people to riot or go into the Capitol. Yep. Democrats are sneaky and they're deviant and they're evil. And, you know, if you say, well, you know, this conspiracy theory that they would have set this up and they would have orchestrated this, that seems kind of far fetched. But again, go to August 19th show on, on edhoffman.net. Go to the podcast page, August 19th. Hear all the facts of what happened uh, with uh, trying to get Oath Keepers to uh, to kidnap and slash murder Gretchen Whitmer as a dry run for January 6th. And then think about what the what the Democrats did and the Hillary Clinton uh, uh, campaign did with uh, George Papadopoulos to set to set up uh, the Russia, Russia, Russia gate thing against uh, against Trump. And, you know, how they how they they had people say things to George Papadopoulos. And then they had him made sure he was at, at an event that had some. Uh, uh, a representative of the Australian government at some, and he made he made a comment. Made sure they got him liquored up, and then made sure he made a comment to the Australian uh, ambassador about some of the stuff that these other people had planted in his head, and uh, to create an instance where they could start a a uh, impeachment trial. These guys are evil. They're deviant, and they're sneaky. So the third lie that this footage breaks open is one I've talked about many times, the death of the Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. This fallen officer has been used as a, as a blatant political prop by the left for two years, and the story of his death has changed multiple times. First, they said he died from being beaten with a fire extinguisher. Then uh, they had autopsy and died. Oh, no, then, he, then they said he died from allergic reaction to pepper spray or mace. And then they said, then after the autopsy, he died from a series of strokes. And of course, we heard we hear uh, the January 6th committee um, a year and a half later saying that he was beaten with a fire extinguisher again. And of course, we heard this week um, President Biden making comment about how these people were violently killed. Which one of these is true? We may never know. But here's what the video shows. The damage had been done. Brian Sicknick, himself a Trump voter, had been transformed without his consent into a political martyr of the left. His memory was shamelessly exploited by the incoming Biden administration. In February of 2021, Sicknick's body lay in state in the Capitol Rotunda, where a parade of unscrupulous politicians made use of it. Here's Joe Biden. Breaking down the doors, trying to overturn an outcome of election, and killing several police officers in the meantime. But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. 
Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie that Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by Trump supporters. And they know that because they saw this tape. Yeah, the Tucker Carlson cherry-picked footage. I don't think so. I think he's... He's uh he's watching the January 6th committee and what they cherry picked out of all this footage and the narrative that they that they told to tell us what really happened and they left all this footage out that they didn't want us to see because it it uh contradicts what they said happened. Obviously the media reaction to this has not been favorable. What we saw tonight, Allison, from Tucker is is nothing new. He has been trying to sanitize the very real violence that we all saw uh, unfold at the U.S. Capitol. 41,000 hours of footage from an attempted coup is federal evidence. How on earth is Kevin McCarthy trying to justify to fellow members of Congress giving 41,000 hours of federal investigative evidence and material to Fox News. Because this is the federal evidence that the federal January 6th committee decided not to show anybody. And to these arguments, I would have to use another clip from uh, my cousin Vinny. That is a lucid, intelligent, well thought out objection. Thank you, Your Honor. Overruled. Overruled. You guys are full of it. You guys can can say that that Tucker cherry picked and you can say this and you can say that. But your argument has no basis in reality. So let's talk about, uh, let's go on to the next subject here, uh, the narco-terror strikes again. We're all too familiar with the realities of open borders under the Joe, under Joe Biden. By now, most of us are so used to the new fentanyl statistics that come out every week that we're probably numb to them. But this week, a tragic incident at the border may inspire some action. Started last Friday when a group of four Americans headed from South Carolina to Mexico on a trip in which one of them planned to get an abdominoplasty, also known as a tummy tuck. For those of you that don't know, this is more common than you might think. Cosmetic surgeries are notoriously cheaper to undergo in Mexico, as are uh, tummy tucks and uh, gastric bypass surgeries. So some Americans actually do this. Bad idea. In what the FBI is calling a horrific and violent attack, cartels started firing shots at their minivan in the city of Matamoros, Tamaulipas. Say if I pronounce that right, across the U.S. border from Brownsville, Texas. From there, armed cartel members threw them into a vehicle. And if you've seen the video of that, it looks like two of them were kind of limp there. So they probably died in the in the uh, attack on their minivan. The cartel moved them around uh, to various locations throughout the weekend. And we know now two of them, Shahid Woodard and Zindel Brown, were killed at the hands of the cartel. The two others, Eric Williams and Latavia Washington McGee, survived and are back in the U.S. William's wife, who was home in South Carolina, told NBC News, I didn't know anything about the kidnapping until Sunday morning when the FBI came. At first, I thought it was a scam. The FBI believes cartel, cartel gunmen targeted them in a case of mistaken identity. And the U.S. State Department is now warning Americans not to travel to Tamaulipas due to organized crime and kidnapping. Yeah, just traveling to Tamaulipas and uh, now you're warning us? 
Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Yeah, I think a couple of people might still be uh, breathing and living um, had somebody said something otherwise. And I'll tell you that logically thinking people have known that Mexico is dangerous for a long time. And of course, you every uh, those those of those of you that have kids that are going down to Cabo and and uh, Cancun are going to say, "Oh, yo, Ed's just talking like that." But Don and I went in on a uh, on a uh, Panama Canal cruise in 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2018. And you know, when you you leave from from LA and you go down to the Panama Canal and all your stops there in Mexico until you get past Mexico, and we didn't get off the ship. Uh, but one time at some little place that was uh, uh, not a not a resort, but uh, we didn't really get off the get off the ship in Mexico because we saw what was going on, and we used our logically thinking brains and say, mm, "We've been here several times before. Do we really want to be there?" And the last time we did the Mexican Riviera, we just we went downtown uh, Mazatlan, and it just felt creepy down there. You know, as as we went from our uh, the place we stopped and had margaritas and and tacos and burritos to the car that we got a ride back to the ship on, it just didn't feel safe. So uh, that's how that's how um, logically thinking people do. They see what's going on and say, eh, "I don't really think I want to go there anymore." Meanwhile, here's a statement from the White House that Corinne Jean Pierre actually had to read. Can you speak to the uh, incident involving four U.S. citizens in Mexico who have come under gunfire and have been kidnapped? So I have a statement here that I want to read out to all of you. We are closely following the assault and kidnapping of four U.S. citizens uh, in Matamorosa, Mexico. Uh, these sorts of attacks are unacceptable. Really? You had to read that? Meanwhile, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham held a press conference on Wednesday. Four South Carolinians went to Mexico. Two of them are not coming back. I just talked to the sister of one of the victims are waiting on the body. These drug cartels are dangerous. They're lawless. What drives this is fentanyl. Fentanyl is becoming the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18 to 45. 200 Americans die every day due to fentanyl overdoses. Fentanyl overdoses cause the equivalent of a new September 11th every two weeks. And our response is inadequate. 106,000 people last year died of drug overdoses, 70,000 related to fentanyl with no end in sight. And the people killing Americans reside out in the open in Mexico. Now, I don't know if it's a lack of will on behalf of the Mexican government to bring these cartels to bay or a lack of capability. Either way, it's the same result for the United States. Chaos heartache, terrorism, murder, and it needs to come to an end. Yeah, it needs to come to an end, but that would require leadership in our country to show show some strength, not weakness. And that's all we've all we've seen since January 20th, 2021. Graham announced that he and Louisiana Senator John Kennedy are co-sponsoring a bill to designate Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations or FTOs and to authorize our military to go into Mexico to destroy cartel drug labs. Designating the cartels as FTOs would also be a way to hold China responsible for making the precursor compounds for fentanyl. So we heard, uh, we heard Mexican uh, president on Friday morning say, hey, we are not manufacturing fentanyl in our country. 
Yeah, well, nobody said you were manufacturing it. Right now, Chinese drug labs manufacture those compounds, wrap them in packages that look like they contain dog food, says Ben Westhoff, author of the book Fentanyl, Inc., and they ship them to the western coast of Mexico where the cartels pick them up. Then they take the uh, the the fentanyl compound and they and they mix them in with uh, cocaine. They mix them in with uh, with Percocets. They mix mix them in. They they uh, they mix it all together and they they take the little uh, molds for pills and they make them into pills. And they get in they get into people who think they're going to snort cocaine and they're snor- snorting cocaine with fentanyl in it. And they think they're taking Percocets, but they're taking Percocets with with fentanyl. They think they're taking uh, Xanax or one of the other. Uh, uh, happy drugs for people that are bipolar, and they take these because they don't want to go to the doctor and get a prescription. So they bought them uh, on the street, and they end up dying because they got fentanyl in them. China currently does this without any consequences. Here's more from Lindsey Graham. Senator Kennedy and I are going to join forces. We believe Democrats will be involved to label these organizations as foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law. That's the top of the food chain. An FTO designation is the highest designation you can give a criminal terrorist enterprise. It means that all the precursors coming for China, Chinese chemical companies and Chinese enterprises, would be subject to being prosecuted under U.S. law for providing material support to foreign terrorist organizations, something you can't do today. So what are we going to do? We're going to up the ante. We're going to designate these groups and others, if appropriate, foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law, changing the game for those who provide assistance to them. Yeah, it's, uh, it requires us getting the military involved and uh, and actually going in after them. And uh, if the Mexican government is not helping or they're not capable, just get the hell out of the way and let us do it. Like a lot of you, I go back and forth on how I feel about Lindsey Graham because he's uh, kind of he kind of uh, go, goes where the wind blows. But at least he has a plan, which is more than we can say for the president of the United States. You know, other than when he goes to ice cream, he has a plan. Chocolate chip. This is shameful. I shouldn't digress, probably. I've read. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> Look, folks. Anyway, I don't want to get started. Yeah, this guy. This guy is a fool. This guy is is disgraceful. So he's he's stumbling through this his comments, and he's referring to a woman who testified uh, before one of the the new congressional hearings last week about her two sons, her two sons that apparently bought uh, what they thought were Percocets, uh, either on the internet or on the street, and they were laced with fentanyl, and she lost two teenage sons. They died, and she's testifying about the about the uh, the need to close the border and to stop this fentanyl from coming in. And and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said, "Hey, you killed her sons." And he thinks it's funny that this happened before he became president. But remember, when that was happening, Trump was trying to close the border. Remember, he said they're not sending their best and brightest; they're sending the rapists and criminals and drug dealers, and all this drugs are coming across. And this is why we have to build this wall, and this is why we have to 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 do this, and this is why he had the Remain in Mexico uh, program, and he's putting up the wall, and he had the Mexican government helping out, and the cartels were were uh, m- having minimal success during that time. 
So Trump was trying to do something about it. And of course, January 20th, 2021, we stopped building the wall. We stopped drilling for oil. We stopped doing everything that Trump did that was productive for our country because it was Trump. So, uh, and while we're talking about Trump, the Conservative Political Action Conference, better known as CPAC, was last weekend in Washington, D.C. As he did last year, Trump won the conference's annual straw poll for presidential contenders. The results, Trump, 62%. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who who didn't appear there and hasn't declared his candidacy for president, got 20%. Michigan billionaire Perry Johnson got 5%, which uh, I don't really know why, because nobody knows who he is. A bunch of people, former UN ambassador Nikki Haley, who has announced entrepreneur entrepreneur Vivek Ram, Ramaswamy, who has also announced uh, Senator Rand Paul and Senator Ted Cruz and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo each got 3%. After that, another 18 people got less than 1% of the vote, uh, including uh, including uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, who got 1% of the vote. Uh, Trump delivered a one-hour and 48-speech the media quickly labeled as dark, frightening, and ominous. Uh, you know, I listened to it. I listened to every minute of it. And uh, it's a typical Trump speech. He's reading off a teleprompter, but he's reading facts. And he's throwing in his his candid comments on the bullet points, which is why everybody feels confident, because he actually has a feel for everything that's going on. Let's hear some highlights, starting with a recap of what we've all been living through for the past two years under Biden and what we have to look forward to if he stays in. For seven years, you and I have been engaged in an epic struggle to rescue our country from the people who hate it and want to absolutely destroy it. The sinister forces trying to kill America have done everything they can to stop me, to silence you, and to turn this nation into a socialist dumping ground for criminals, junkies, Marxists, thugs, radicals, and dangerous refugees that no other country wants. No other country wants them. If those opposing us succeed, our once beautiful USA will be a failed country that no one will even recognize a lawless, open borders, crime-ridden, filthy communist nightmare. That's what it's going, and that's where it's going. I used to say that we will never be a socialist country. I said it oftentimes. I said it once at the State of the Union address, and people didn't understand what I was saying. But I'd shout it out loud, and I was right, because that train has passed the station. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think we're already there about the U.S. becoming also almost unrecognizable. I will say from what I see, uh, certainly in California, and everybody knows I have a house in California, one in Arizona and one in Montana. I'm recording from uh, Arizona this this week. Um, it's but what I see when I'm in California, almost unrecognizable already. Then Trump reminded the crowd of the number one reason he's a threat to the establishment. Our enemies are lunatics and maniacs. They cannot stand that they do not own me. I don't need them. I don't need anything about them. I don't need their money. They cannot steer me. They cannot shake me. And they will never, ever control me. And they will never, ever, therefore, control you. Exactly, as I pointed that out. Oh, keep going. At the end of the day, anyone else will be intimidated, bought off, blackmailed, or ripped to shreds. Joe Biden is a criminal, and nothing ever seems to happen to him. Because, you know, 
Say what you want, but the Democrats stick together. As I have pointed out many times, they stick together no matter. And there's and there's got to be Democrats that have that are conscious of what they're doing to the country. But you know what? They stick together. If Nancy Pelosi says to do it, they do it. And of course, now it's uh, now it's the other guy who's their uh, their leader now. Hey, we all get together. We have a huddle on Monday mornings. What what are we going to say this week? And uh, he talked about some of the things he plans to campaign on in 2024. In recent weeks, I've been laying out a bold, detailed agenda for how we're going to complete this mission. We'll be stopping the slide into costly and never-ending wars. We've got to stop it. Can't keep spending hundreds of billions of dollars protecting people that don't even like us. Now, you know, in business, if you did that, what you do is you put up the money and then you say, but listen, we own half your country in case you win. You know, you take a piece of the upside, right? We get nothing. In fact, the opposite. We put up the money and then after it's finished, assuming it's successful, let's say it's successful, they don't want to even talk to us. No, nope, you have nothing to do with us. Get out of here. You have nothing. No, no. In business, you put up money, seed money, call it whatever you want. You end up owning the country by the time it's over. And the only reason they're doing well is we're giving them the greatest equipment that I bought, the greatest equipment <laughs> ever made. And the only reason they're doing well with NATO is I raised $440 billion from countries that weren't paying anything. You know what? I like that he sees clearly what is going on and he and what needs to be done about it. You know, his business experience gives him the experience to uh, to recognize uh, the things that that the, that the government does wrong. And I think that's going to give him the, the nomination for the Republican Party for 2024. And until he drops out, I'm behind him all the way. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week.